You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fair Game Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith. Today's guest joins us from Canada, where he's the producer of an event called FoodTruckWars.ca. This is Dale Belair. Dale, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us, Robert. I'm glad to be here. Really happy to be here. Thank you. So, now, we've only had a couple Canadians on the show so far. Uh, but give us an idea where you're located in Canada. We're based in uh, uh, Saskatchewan, Regina area. We're between Regina and uh, Yorkton, Saskatchewan, right in the middle there, a town called Melville, actually. So, Got we're, it. We're right in the middle. How much snow are you sitting under right now? Uh, well, we actually have the average amount of snow, but uh, we just came through a massive cold snap. Yeah. probably happening in the U.S. now, but we had it was 40, 45 below actually for about five uh, five or six days. No bueno. So uh, used to, uh, you know, being raised in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, uh, when I was uh, after 16, we had a lot of snow and a lot of uh, cold weather up there. So when you're in Saskatchewan, it's just a fact of life up here, right? I imagine. I imagine. It's definitely not a fact of life in Texas. There, We've got no. friends in Texas that are ice cubes right now and... Uh, oh, yeah hoping they can get their power back on here in the next couple of days. I think I was looking at the weather by Sunday or Monday. I think most of that's all supposed to be out of, out of Texas and hopefully they'll, they'll warm up. This is, I'm sure you're looking at the stuff on news up there and you're thinking maybe getting a good little laugh at it. Cause what they're going through now, you, you guys deal with all the time up there in the North. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, we haven't, we've been lucky not to have any power outages this year, but uh, you know, the roads get icy and, uh, and the weather is cold and, I mean, the worst thing that we had to deal with is uh, uh, all our three vehicles not starting actually for a week at a time or four or five days at a time because it was so cold that even with them being plugged in, eh? it just gives you an idea how cold that's, it was. That's no uh, no bueno, as we would say down here in New Mexico. I'm, we're not down with cold like that. We've uh, Our cold snap, we got down to about nine over the last few days when that, that um, you know, polar vortex, I guess they call it, when it came, came down and... Nine is that's more than cold enough for me. I'm I'm now ready. We got about two or three inches of snow in the last week. It's now melted. Give me seventy five degrees. I am ready for spring and summer. Let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, I'm reading. You, you sent an article for Midway Magazine. I'm I'm reading about you, getting to know what you guys are about. Um, you've got a lot of history in the carnival industry. What, can you share some of your background with us? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my father, actually, as I mentioned, uh, he was in the carnival industry when he was very younger, and uh, he worked with uh, Royal American Shows up here in Canada. He also worked with uh, uh, Patty Conklin as well in the in the grand old carnival days, uh, and continued to work work in the industry pretty well his entire life, and then uh, basically uh, became a pitch promoter and uh, promoted all types of different gadgets, uh, slicers, chamois, things like that across the country. Uh, he's very well known up here in Canada and uh, he comes with a supreme education when it comes to the carnival business and the pitch business as well. He just recently passed on in 2010 and uh, people are still you know, asking me and uh, giving me my condolences this many years later. That's how well respected, how well known he was. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And, and clearly you, you picked up a thing or two from him. You, you found your way into kind of becoming an event promoter. And I did, yeah. last year, as I understand it, you were looking to get an event started called foodtruckwars.ca. And that was, bef uh, you know, before the pandemic hit. And then you kind of got 
put down because of the pandemic. Before we well, get to all that, can you tell us a little bit about the event itself and, and yeah. how it started and, and what's the uh, driving force behind that event? Well, it started up with our partner, Jesse Lewis. Uh, Jesse and I were on the phone uh, just about every day figuring out solutions to bring in extra income uh, over and above any government uh, injection that they were given uh, self-employed people. Uh, we went back and forth on several events and then we were talking about food truck events and uh, we were studying it online and uh, we were kind of joking around about it at first and saying, well, we should produce some food truck events. And he says, well, we don't know, you know, with the restrictions going on up here, just out of phase two, we were able to put on our first event uh, up in Tisdale, Saskatchewan. And it was, uh, it was a good affair, actually. Uh, there was uh, one truck only and there was uh, a few vendors. It was very small to start with, but uh, everybody made money and everybody was happy that came out and attended the event. It was, uh, it was pretty exciting, actually. And we always said, well, if it fails, then we'll just blame COVID like uh, everybody else does, you know. Right. That seems to be the, the scapegoat of any failures now in business is COVID. Huh? So yes. that's, uh, that was exciting. Um, and uh, then we went on to another event in Melford at the exhibition grounds. And then we went out to Nip One as well. Um, and we did three events uh, last summer. And this year we're actually, we've got two events going. Uh, we, we've confirmed two events. And we're looking at doing five events this year. Um, we're getting so, so food truck war. It's not a single event. You've got a series of events you're doing throughout the country. That's right. Yeah, we um, we have more street credit this year, so we're getting lots of people contacting us. Uh, our first one is uh, that was announced was uh, Canada Day in Carrot River, Saskatchewan. That was July first, second, and third. It's like your July fourth weekend. Uh, lots of play on that and then we've got another one coming out and then we're also looking at the uh, U.S. border event which is on the Canadian U.S. border called the International Food Truck Festival, Can-Am Food Truck Festival. We're not sure how that's going to work out because uh, there's some big issues on the Canadian side with opening up the border and we're not sure if we're going to have the production time if it continues to stay closed past March or April. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, I'm starting to see, I think I was reading on the U.S. State Department side site that um, in order to get into Canada over the over land borders, you've got to be able to produce a, a negative test. And I think I might have even seen, um, I read something about vac you know, vaccination in order to get into Canada now. And I don't know, that just always seems that that's, that's one of those, you know, the political things that you never know what the rule is going to be until your event shows up, you know, because they Absolutely. change it so often. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Well, the problem is, the problem is, is that uh, we're not sure what's going to happen. The park actually sits on both the U.S. and the Canadian side uh, together. The park is together. So that means that you're standing in the middle no, of the you can't. park. That means it's... Uh, that means it, that sorry that means that the park is in the middle and uh you're standing right in the u.s canadian soil there as well so yeah so what made you decide you wanted to produce a food truck event sorry go again what made you decide you wanted to produce a food truck event well a food truck event uh was was the natural people are missing people are missing carnival food and yeah. uh you know nobody stops eating uh, looking at the McDonald's and the takeout windows during the pandemic, uh, people lining up in our town constantly day in and day out with curbside service, uh, restaurants and things like that. 
you know, food is a natural, uh, natural draw. Uh, carnival food like apples, deep fried, uh, you know, uh, French fries and all that type of food is a big demand at the carnival. So people miss that, I think, more than anything. And uh, so the food trucks was a natural progression uh, that we were able to do that. And we were able to get health uh, approval on the events uh, because they're not huge events, but we, we, we take wide open spaces in different parks and we spread out the vendors and the trucks. And we actually do an overkill on the restrictions where they request six feet. We go 10 feet between the trucks and the vendors. And then we do the sanitizer stations at the front. We do the one-way directional uh, lineups. We monitor the traffic that, that goes in front of the truck. So, so there's no uh, gathering of large crowds. And then we adhere to all the restrictions put out at that particular time with the reopened Saskatchewan plan. So it worked well outside. Um, outside is a very low risk area, I believe, for events, uh, you know, and uh, people are beginning to realize that. So they come out and uh, they come out and enjoy themselves. Well, it sounds like a terrific event. I know a number of fairs here in the United States have done, uh, you know, fair food drive throughs and things like that. Yep. And you are 100% right. There is a demand for, for that product. People want to be out not only to, you know, go get their fair food, but they want to be out and, and be social. I mean, we are social creatures and it, this whole stay in lockdown thing is not, I don't think it's good for our, for our psyche. I'm curious, uh, you, you touched on a little bit of this question that I'm about to ask. Um, in terms of your mitigation strategies, but what does it really take to produce an event like yours? What does it take? What? Sorry. What does it take to produce an event like yours? To make an event. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of work, a lot of contacts, uh, you know, vendor, vendor response, uh, uh, building a relationship with, uh, with public health uh, when, when you're able to, uh, you know, uh, last year, last year it was kind of uh it was sort of a wild west show, you could say. Uh, nobody knew what to expect uh, with with any of the uh, health inspections or any of the, you know, because stuff was getting canceled left and right, or they were just telling people, no, you can't operate, kind of thing. And uh, you know, it was uh, it was a lot of stress actually last summer, but we were able to push through it successfully. Uh, get the respect we needed, and uh, now we're set up for this summer. But uh, I wouldn't advise anybody to maybe try and do that actually in the middle of a pandemic. This just happened kind of, I mean, we had really no choice. We just sort of went ahead with it. Once we started, we just, we couldn't turn back anymore, you know. So here we are, we're moving into our second season and yeah. uh, we're excited about that. And uh, we, we've had a tremendous amount of response from the Outdoor Amusement Business Association in, in Massachusetts. They want Great. to expand their Canadian uh, membership base up here so we can involve Canadian members in uh, Zoom conferences. And, you know, they can have a look at the, the, the most recent mitigation strategies and all the success stories of the OABA opening up uh, events down south because they've sure. got many opening events down there. Now, when uh, you do food trucks, when you do these events, are they ticketed events or do the, does the public just kind of show up? They and just come in, actually. They just come in, and then they, they're just paying for food. They don't need to pay for parking or ticket or anything right. like that. Yep. Terrific. Yeah, there's no ticketing events on this, and uh, we, we think that people uh, people should be able to come at no cost because, you know, it's been it's been a very bad year, tough year for people. 
and uh, they can if we can provide some sunshine for them for you know four or five hours during the day uh, for them and their kids and their families then i think that we're doing a good job and uh, and you know the vendors are making some money uh, to support their families the trucks are making some money we're making a little bit of money and uh, everybody kind of uh, uh, feels a lot of joy there uh, for that period of time when they're at the event hey eh? because think, you can only stay in your house for so long and you yep. can only listen to the constant constant uh media reports you know day in and day out on that day yeah Just, it definitely starts to wear you down especially i mean our uh I mean, you're in Canada, you know, our U.S. media loves to just, you know, be all rainbows and sunshine all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. it's not they like They can that. really bring yeah. you down. They can really bring yeah. you down if all you do is watch the news. So uh, we we don't watch news all that often in, in our house. It's just too much negativity and, and drama. I'm curious, aside from, from having to navigate COVID, what are some of the other challenges you have been putting on an event of this nature? Well, the challenge is, uh, the big challenge was, uh, uh, is attracting food trucks. You know, um, when we first started calling the food trucks, you know, my partner must have called about 30 or 35 food trucks for the first event that we did. And we got very little response from people. And uh, we had one truck show up at the last minute, actually, from Moose Jaw. They're, they're an excellent truck, uh, Full, full Belly's uh, breakfast truck out of Moose Jaw, ran by a couple of ladies who do a fantastic job and I hope to see them out this year. Uh, and then, so after that, um, the next show, we started to get more vendors. Uh, vendors was a real issue at, at, at the beginning because, you know, because of the fear out there and because of the, um, I don't know what's gonna happen, you know, mindset that happens. Uh, and because of the mindset that's been put out forth by the media, not to leave your house, stay home and all this, um, the vendors were probably not sure that they were going to make money to come in and set up at the events. However, I'm happy to report that uh, all our vendors did make money in all three events, and I expect them to do the same this summer. So the toughest thing was getting the credibility to, to actually promote the show and, uh, you know, have people excited and happy to be there and uh, want to come back the next year because i'm getting calls now and, and emails every day regarding our upcoming events and we're in march just about in march now so we're looking to, to have some really strong events this season unfortunately i don't think the the u.s canadian event's going to go i was supposed to be down there actually to do a walkthrough on the site uh, i'm unable to enter the park uh, i'm unable to get essential paperwork from the uh, client to get in there and then uh, basically move around, uh, which is needed to set up an event. So, so probably I think the date is going to be on the 2022 mark, same date, August 8th and 9th. Eh? Yeah, that's and that's challenge, that's but. for the international event. Yep. What are the dates you're looking at for some of your other events? July 1st and 2nd and 3rd, Canada Day weekend. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Carrot River, Saskatchewan. Um, uh, May 28th, 29th, and 30th, we're going to be at the Tisdale Square in Tisdale, Saskatchewan. We were there last year. They were our first event. Uh, we're coming back there, and they're excited to have us again. And then uh, we're working on about three other events right now, which uh, which hasn't been signed. You know, we work on a contract, so uh, none of those contracts have been signed yet, except for the three that I mentioned uh, the U.S. Border Show, the Canadian Border Show, and uh, the two Saskatchewan events. 
So with your dates for the international show set there in August, um, obviously a lot, it's February 19th when we're recording this episode, a lot can change in that time. At, at what point in there, um, you know, you're planning it, you're hoping to move forward, but at what point in there, if things aren't going to work out, do you have to pull the plug on it? Well, the dead date is the end of, dead date is going to be the end of March, March. could okay. be before that, depending on what I see. I'm not seeing anything favorable right now. Uh, in the Canadian uh, political scene, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not seeing anything favorable on the U.S. side. However, um, you know, the Canadian side is is the big issue with them not opening the border. Uh, as you know, I don't know if you follow up here, but there's all kinds of things going on uh, with international travelers and, you know, things like that. So, um, I'm not sure. I doubt it's going to get open. I hope it does, but I can't really go ahead with production time. I need lots of production time. Sure. And as far as sponsorship goes, I mean, sponsors are, are fleeing like they're fleeing from a house fire at this point, you know, because of the COVID situation. Yeah, I yeah. was, I, we've seen that a lot in the United States. It's kind of, it's kind of a mixed bag from some of the sponsorship people I've spoken with. You do have, um, you know, some of the sponsors that were smaller local businesses might not be in because if they've been closed for the better part of a year, they just don't have that thousand or five thousand or ten thousand, whatever it is, to kick yep. into the fair and support their community like that. Totally understandable. At the same time, you've also got a lot of businesses that because they were deemed essential and their competition was not deemed essential, that they have completely cleaned house in 2020 and the beginning of 21. And so, there are those who are feeling a little more obligation to give back to their community. It, I think it just varies based on the community that you're in. Yeah. And uh, you know, what is an essential business? What is not an essential business? I mean, this is, uh, you know, the phraseology that's come up during the pandemic is actually, you know, I kind of shake my head at some of the phrases that come out here, uh, you know, essential businesses. I mean, uh, I've never heard that before until this, this pandemic started. So I believe everything, everybody and every life is essential. And uh, I believe every business should be open and everybody should be running 100% at this point. Yeah, That's I, my on it. I, I understand every communities and their health departments have to make decisions for their yep. communities. But on the uh, on the language, you're correct. It was, um, you know, after being told for a year, you're not essential, you're not essential. It's like, oh, but I bet my taxes are essential, aren't they? <laughs> you know what? I was going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> yeah. And I bet you they wouldn't like it if you social distanced your taxes, would they? <laughs> I would love to physically distance my taxes from the government, but, you know, there's honestly, <laughs> business didn't hardly make any money at all last year. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this point that we'll have a little bit of a loss over the years. So, there's, they'll be physically distanced this year. <laughs> Hopefully we can get back to the game though. I'll tell you what though, in the long run, I'd love to be in a position where I could make enough money that I was, you know, paying 50 or a hundred thousand dollars in taxes. Cause that would mean I'm making, you know, gobs and gobs and gobs of cash, but right now it is what it is. And, and we've got to try to figure out a way to, uh, to get through this. Um, let's switch gears here real quick. I saw your, some of your posts on Facebook. You've been sharing some of that content from the Give Town show. Yes. Um, and, and now, as I understand it, you were not attending that show. You're just sharing it, correct? I am sharing it. You know what? I couldn't get across. I mean, it would be uh, hard to get across the border. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to be down there. I would have loved to have been at the Give Town show. Uh, but, you know, this year, unfortunately, uh, not able to make it. And uh, I think next year, for sure, we're going to go down. 
And however, we're big supportive of Gibtown. Florida's looking like it's running pretty, pretty normal, you know. Uh, everybody's enjoying themselves. I've got lots of contacts in Florida. Uh, they're working, they're moving down the road. You know, the convention is good. They're, people are having fun. They're living normal life. Uh, they're socializing, they're enjoying the life and they're working to get our industry going again. And I think that's exciting. And this is why I, I share this. I have a lot of people on my Facebook page in Canada are wondering why we're not open like like everybody else is opening down south you know i've got friends in north dakota that were just at the north dakota boat show uh, i've got friends in uh, iowa that are attending the iowa state fair i mean everything is opening up actually however we somehow seem to have the strictest uh, restrictions right now uh, in canada uh, of the entire world at, at this point i seen that on the internet this morning actually yeah it I don't, I, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Every, every single person I've spoken with on the show, I, none of us can decipher why the government's, you know, whether it's our federal government or, or the, you know, your government or state and local governments across the United States, we have no idea why they're making the decisions. Well, I, I, I could, I could comment on that, but I told my wife I wasn't going to go political and we could yeah. reserve discussion for another podcast absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah, right and i you know i know uh i know the political backgrounds of a whole bunch of people that are listening to the show and they're just nodding their heads right now i promise they're just like yep <laughs> we all know uh no reason to get get into it on the the podcast That's but right. i, I would know. like to get to a bit about the pandemic and when it started and get a little background on that from you you know obviously there's been a lot of punches to the gut for all of us in the the yep. events industry this year I'm curious what was going through your head back at, you know, this time last year, early March last year, when you saw major fairs and festivals start canceling across the United States and, and frankly, across the world. Well, we have a, we have a concert ticket business as well. I did that for 13 years, actually, as a professional ticket broker and concert tickets. And I worked all over the country, you know, and, uh, did, did events, uh, you know, virtually all over the world as well with VIP front row tickets and things like that. Um, music festivals, especially Coachella and, and other areas. And uh, they, those started to drop like flies. Those events started going down and down. And, and I knew that uh, I knew that the entire event industry was in trouble. Uh, the Junos up here, which is our uh, music award show, just canceled just out of nowhere. And uh, basically, I knew that it wasn't going to stop canceling. And we're still getting stuff canceled up here. So this is continuing on. So I knew that uh, things were not going to be uh, happy this summer, the last summer. Eh? But like we were able to get to some farmers markets and some uh, able to get some food truck events going on. But, you know, we haven't had any uh, live events in, in the Midwest here in Saskatchewan or in Canada, basically concerts or anything like that for a year. I think the last show that I did on the indoor circuit was the gun show. And uh, that was uh, March 1st and 2nd of last year. So it's just about a year, right? Well, and that's the, for as much as all of us down here in the U.S. want to get our fairs going again, we, you know, we need our state and county fairs to open. Yeah. We've spoken with folks um, repeatedly on the show that, you know, one of the big things, if the fair's not open is like what you just mentioned with the, the boat show there in North Dakota or a gun show or those fairs need their non-fair rental income big time right now. Cause in most right. case, most fairs in the United States, draw at least half if not a majority of their annual revenue from rentals 
from That's non-fair right. non-fair time. And so as much <laughs> as we're thinking about, oh, you know, the the Florida State Fair, the OC Fair, the LA County Fair, Delmar, what it's those non-fair rentals. Um you know, whether it's a, a dog show or a boat show or RV, we got to get those things going. Florida does seem to be making some progress. Um, you know, we, we had Danny Alfonso on the show. He's from the Manatee County Fair. They're just uh, near Tampa. And from the day they opened until and up till two weeks after the uh, the event, when he and when Danny and I spoke, they saw a reduction in in spread rate every single day. And, and he was you know, everybody in the industry, they're watching it all the time. Like when you're, yeah. when you're the event producer, you're keeping real close eyes on those numbers. And, you know, whether it's, uh, uh, Danny Alfonso down in Manatee or, or Courtney Conkle at the Wyoming state fair or friends down in Texas who had fairs at the, you know, September and October last year, all yeah. of them are watching those numbers. And then Sturgis, almost- Sturgis was another test model for our industry. It went well, actually in South Dakota, uh, you know, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally and new people that work down there, they're fine today. They yeah. worked uh, the entire Sturgis uh, uh, event in their food trailers and everybody's fine today, you know. Yeah, well, it's, I feel like every time for a year, it's, a, I know it's not gaslighting because I know the CDC and World Health, like they're, they're doing their best to figure this thing. But it yep. did it did feel like gaslighting for a while when it seemed like every other week or every, sometimes every other day they were like, this is what we know about it. Oh, no, that's not the case. It's this. And, right. and things were just constantly changing. It's just been so difficult for all of us. And, you know, I feel like, though, as an industry, we've got a choice. We can either react to this situation or we can choose to, re, you know, plan a response and, and respond accordingly. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the things that you've done? to navigate this pandemic? Well, the first thing I did uh, basically uh, to really uh, make our, our, our company more legitimate is to partner up with the Outdoor Amusement Business Association as a longtime event association. Those are very strong credentials to have. Uh, the, the main reason they've been around for a long time, uh, they're very supportive. Uh, they offer documentation. They offer seminars. They offer all kinds of uh, support for uh, everybody from a festival promoter to a vendor, to an employee, to a carnival employee, to a major carnival. Eh? Uh, I can't say enough about the OABA. Uh, they've been very, very, uh, very helpful in, in uh, navigating through this, and they're going to continue to help this summer as well they've told us and uh, they want to they want to help in canada they want to expand membership uh, people people need to know that uh, we need to be together up here uh, as an industry and we need to we need to be together and we need to work together and share ideas and education and uh, make our event business uh, proceed uh, you know 100% like it should be Yep, I agree with you. We've got um, actually several OABA members and, and board members coming up on the show here over the next several weeks. We're just waiting to record. Like I said, we're it's February 19th for those of you guys listening when we're recording this show. Uh, and all the showmen, everybody, OABA, you know, a bunch of NICA people, all that, they're all down at Gibtown at their show right now. And um, from it looks like from some of the posts I'm seeing on Facebook, things are going really well. Um, they seem to be doing things safely. Most people seem to yep. be wearing masks when they need to wear masks um, and making good choices for themselves. 
OABA is a terrific organization. I know that when we spoke with Marla Calico from IEFE early in this the season, um, she said that one of their first moves when they started getting the news this time last year was to get in touch with NICA and with OABA and to start coordinating their response. So yep. we got some terrific leadership in this industry. Um, but even great leaders can't foresee the future. We're not all, uh, yep. we're not fortune tellers. Okay, well, I do a fortune teller attraction for fairs, but Conjure might be a little broken because Conjure yes, did not I see the pandemic that, yeah. coming. <laughs> but, you know, there's still <laughs> a lot of unknowns moving forward into 2021. So how do you approach your event? How do you approach planning knowing that it may, oh, you may do all this work for nothing. It may not happen. How well, do you approach that? I just, uh, I have the uh, the thinking of an airplane pilot, you know, these commercial airline pilots, you know, every day they go to work, uh, they get in their plane and they do their job and they fly without fear, basically. Uh, they go and they never think of crashing when they transport people from, from one area to the next, from one country to the next, because if they actually sat, sat in their thoughts for any more than 30 seconds about what could, what possibly could happen or not happen, then they, uh, they never get out the door. I mean, that's for me. If I, if I thought about this for much longer, uh, you know, I would never get in my office and I would never be able to move ahead and do events like I wouldn't be able to plan anything I would just say you know okay it's not going to work you know that kind of thing so a positive attitude and uh, you know and I need to keep busy actually in the office uh, you know planning something whether it's a food truck event or something you know so uh, a lot of work has already gone into this season and uh, I haven't thought for one second that we're not going to be able to operate not one second well I kind of like that attitude because you almost have, you got to move forward just assuming it's going to happen. Um, you're going to drive, you might drive yourself insane just sitting there going, what if it doesn't, what if, what if this, what if that, what if the other, and, and you're just going to exhaust yourself. Um, we're event planners. We make, we bring people together and make them happy for a that's living. Right. That's, that's what our industry does. And I think we just need to focus on doing that and keeping people happy. That's right. Happiness is, uh, happiness is uh, the big thing, eh? Um, and uh, that's what we're planning on doing. People are very excited. And, you know, another thing I should mention, you know, is that when we first started, uh, there was a little bit of concern when we first started promoting the events on Facebook, uh, what type of response we were going to get, uh, you know, um, whether we're going to be labeled that new, that new COVID buzzword super spreader or this or that, or people, people saying, you know, uh, trolling with with negative ignorant remarks kind of thing right. never had any of that happened not once actually last summer and i haven't had anything happen this summer as well so i think people are really up to the fact that uh, if, if if it's done professionally uh basically that uh, people are going to be excited to come um they can wear a mask or they can't wear don't wear a mask uh, depending on what the mandate is uh, I think people, it's very well received, actually. I don't, I haven't had any negative blowback on, on the media about this. And we've done a lot of advertising. Nobody's really phoned me or said to me, uh, basically, uh, why are you doing this? Or don't you know there's a pandemic going on and things like that? Nobody's really come out and said that to us, eh? It's been very refreshing, eh? That's an interesting, uh, interesting change. Because when I look at it down in the United States, um, you know, we had John Sykes on the show, who's a, a good friend of mine. He's the fair manager over in Tyler, Texas, at the East Texas State Fair. And 
I want to say it was somewhere around April or May, the, you know, the media called him up and said, well, what's going to happen with the fair? Are you, are you canceling? Of course, you got to remember their fair is like the last week of September to the beginning of October. And this was maybe April. And they, they responded and said, no, we're planning the fair. We're going to have it. And, you know, that would, that would make sense. You know, you want to, you want to give your, your community hope to know that there might be a light at the end of this tunnel. And, and you want to have kind of a, you know, a, a strong leadership way about you. And man, did they get railed? Oh, they yeah. got railed. How could you do this? You know, think about the children. You're just going to get people killed and you're inconsiderate. And, and uh, pretty soon after that, they said, you know, <laughs> this isn't the best idea. So you just never know. You can't, you can't please all the people all the time. You know, the one thing that really warmed my heart this year is for all the fairs that canceled that I saw their, their cancellations on Facebook. You know, I didn't see people, communities weren't worried about the vendors. They weren't worried about the entertainers or anything like that. They wanted to know about the kids and their livestock shows. Yeah. And that was really nice to see that there's this so much community sport between, you know, junior livestock, you, you know, your 4-H, your FFA groups, all them, all those people that just do such a fantastic job with, with raising our young people. Um, it was really nice to see communities come together. Yep. It's one of those, that's to me is one of those little silver linings of, of everything that happened. And, and, and disp despite all the stress that we've gone through this last year, certainly there's got to be some positive things going on with you. Um, what, what do you see that's been positive for you the last year, despite the pandemic? Well, actually, um, there has been some positive things. I mean, food truck wars, uh, uh, .ca was, uh, was brought to life. Um, we, we were able to uh, receive a very nice article from uh, Sharon, actually, in the Midway magazine. Um, and, you know, the thing is, so uh, had the pandemic not happened, um, I'm not sure, basically, or we would have even be on this show at this point, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, different opportunities have happened. Uh, we've met different people that we wouldn't have met. We've made connections that we haven't made. We've moved in, uh, in direction with business that we weren't planning on moving. Um, so there's a few positive uh, things to happen. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, we're on your show today and uh, we're getting an article done with us with the OABA as well. And then Sharon's article and, uh, so we're actually getting well known as far as events going. Um, and I wouldn't say famous, but uh, we're getting lots of uh, lots of attention. And yeah. uh, that's exciting, you know, because uh, 30 years in the business, you know, just going down the road, you know, doing event after event. I mean, nobody really, you don't really stand out. You're just kind of doing your business, your job, eh? Well, like and that's kind of, I see that with so many of us in this industry, um, even the entertainers, there's, there's very few entertainers in our industry that I would consider famous um, because we just put our heads down and go do our work. We go make people happy. We do, whether it's a magic trick or we have, you know, pig races or whatever, we just make people happy. And then we pack it up and we drive down the road to the next county fair. And we're, ha we enjoy doing that and we just quietly do it. Um, I, yeah. I see the same thing with the vendors. That's part of the reason I wanted to start the, the podcast because there's people all over the industry like that. They've got great stories to tell from the last year. You know, you talk about one of the positives from this year is, well, hey, you know, without COVID, you wouldn't have been on the show. I can tell you without COVID, there would not have been a show, period. Yes. Um, it, it was just not – we got to the point last October where I wouldn't say I was getting in a dark place, but uh, I was starting to feel a little, you know, some, like, some sadness, and this is just – 
it kind of happened for me, I think, like after IFE can't pull the plug and it was like, oh, man, this is, you know, it just I needed a way I needed an outlet to connect with all my my friends in the industry again. And and to that, you know, 20 episodes became 30 episodes. And then you get over the holiday break over Christmas time and the Florida State Fair announced that they were going to have to move their dates. And I became clear that this thing is going to this is going to be with us for a little bit. And so I just decided we're going to keep telling the stories. And I've met some great people. I got to meet you. You know, I get to meet folks that I never would have met otherwise. Absolutely, Robert. I agree with you 100 percent. It's uh, it's uh, everybody's pulling together. And I'm sure that that's, that's in all, a lot of industries how people are pulling together. You know, uh, there is negativity out there, but, you know, uh, generally, uh, most people are ready to do whatever they can for you during this uh, during this pandemic and uh, and assist a, and uh, so that that's uh, you know people are working together actually, um, and uh, I mean it took this possibly to get a little bit of unity you know in the world day, so uh, but yeah. uh, as far as our industry goes, uh, we're on we're on the upswing. I'm I'm pretty sure. And uh, I'm very excited about uh, uh, getting people up here involved with the Outdoor Amusement Business Association. Could you give me your thoughts on the OABA while, while we're talking? So, because, you know, a lot of the people, uh, vendors of mine are on my Facebook page. They're going to want to know what's in it for them to join the OABA and how is that going to happen? And sure. What are they gonna do? Sure. Um, and, and I'm... I... I'm speaking from my experience with other people that I've spoken with that are OABA members, full disclosure, um, just as an entertainer, I am not, but I have watched the organization um, and I've watched NICA, you know, National Independent Concessionaires for a long time. These people advocate. That's one thing that when you are part of OABA, you've got a a heavy hitting advocate in your back pocket. You really do. Um, You know, when you consider, uh, we had Jay Straits on the show from Straight Shows, and we talked about the H2B visa program and how you got a media, especially here in the United States, that they politicize H2B visas and it becomes this hotbed of, oh, well, they're going to take American jobs and rah, 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 rah. But the reality is I've watched, you know, being an entertainer, I travel to shows all over this country. I've worked at fairs where ride hoffers there, North American Midway. Um, I, Powers Midway, Bell City, uh, you, RCS, you name it, straight shows, all of them. I've worked, I've been on fairgrounds with almost all of them. And almost without fail, every one of them, a week or two before the fair, they're advertising heavily for local help. Absolutely. And they can't get it because people don't, the Americans that could take these jobs, most of them aren't taking these jobs. And so- That's right. And so the, when I, when I hear, Oh, they're, they're taking American job. No, 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 no. Let's be real about this. The guy that is going to come from Mexico or, or El Salvador or South Africa or wherever they're coming from in the world, a, they're not taking an American job because the, the ride operators, the outdoor amusement people, the carnivals, I can tell you, having spoken with Debbie Powers with with J Street, they would much, much, much rather hire an American to do that job because it is way cheaper to do it. Mm-hmm. The 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 um, permitting process, the you know licensing, the background checks, the the all of that government red tape they have to go through for the H two B visa program is expensive, and so it's it's 
I, I just I tire of hearing people say, oh, well, they're going to take an American job with that. No, they're not. They're not. Let's be real. Um, so the HB visa program is a good, is a great program. Uh, it probably needs to be refined a little bit, um, tweaked a little. But I think for uh, my feeling is it needs to be expanded, you know, and to, in order to help grow our carnival industry and, and support it. These are the types of things that OABA is second to none in advocacy for. So if you're out there and you're thinking, do I join OABA? You know, I'm an independent concessionaire. Do I get involved with NICA? Absolutely. These are organizations that are your biggest advocates. Well, it's not just food concessionaires. They were telling me they're, they accept uh, pretty well. Anybody that works outside, whether they're attraction, whether they're, you know, rides uh, or basically they're just a regular vendor, maybe that sells, uh, you know, TV products, that kind yep. of thing. If they're working outside and they're active during the summer, and especially now, basically, especially now what's going on with the pandemic, uh, people need to be educated, whether you're selling chamois, whether you're selling candy floss, whether you're selling, uh, you know, mini donuts, they need to have, like you say, uh, the heavy duty advocacy behind them as well to make sure that uh, they know uh, where we stand in the event industry and what it's going to take to successfully run this operation into the next few years, you know, to sure. keep going and keep moving. Eh? So, well, and if you consider that so many of our events are anchored around that, that carnival, they're anchored, the fairs, it, it, now, can we have county fairs that are really traditional agricultural livestock shows? And there's not a midway and there's not a carnival. Yeah, absolutely. We could do that we, for, for decades. That's what happened um, in, in the very early years of these events. Unfortunately, there's, some of these towns are not going to get carnivals this year. I don't believe. Uh, yeah. And so there's going to be some changes and some adjustments that have to be made, but we are COVID aside. We're an industry that revolves around entertainment now. Yes. And, and we, sh in order to make sure that those vendors that are selling um, t-shirts or selling chamois or selling kitchen knife sets or pots and pans or things like that, in order to make sure they've got an event that they can go to in order to sell their goods, in order to run their businesses, the health of our carnival industry is paramount. Yes. Because that very much dictates what these events are going to look like in the future. So yeah, I mean, there's my pitch. <laughs> I might I might have just paid, convinced myself to join OABA. <laughs> yeah, I don't get I don't get commission by the way from Tim. Yeah, there's so, yeah, yeah, know. there's no commission. You don't have to tell them, you know, you heard it if you want say, "Hey, we heard it on the Fair Game podcast," and they'll be like, "Okay, what's that?" <laughs> we like I, I joke, we've only got 9 listeners, so <laughs> who knows whether they'll even know who we are, but I, you know, I, I just think we've got some really great organizations, IEFE here in the United States um, that, you know, based out of Missouri, they do, there's just terrific advocates that are out there um, lobbying on, on the behalf of all yeah. of us to make sure that we've got an industry. they're excited to make the move into Canada more. They have a few members up here, the bigger shows, but, you know, they, they really want to get Paramount out here. They really want to get involved with, with our lobbying sure. up here. Uh, they've told me that a few times and, uh, they just want to see members, uh, you know, I mean, I pay a hundred dollars a year American for a membership that uh, basically is uh, kind of uh, helped me operate and taking a lot of the thought and guesswork out of what we're going to do. And, you know, they've got all kinds of documentation. They've got all kinds of 
legal backing and they've got uh, lots of different things that any vendor promoter employee could use actually that's sure. involved in the outdoor event industry yeah yep i think uh if if anybody's wondering uh, whether or not to get involved with these organizations absolutely absolutely and and maybe you know depending on what you're doing i don't know maybe oaba is not the right one or ife is not the right one you know but get involved um if if yes. you're listening in the united states um join your local you know join western fairs or florida fairs or texas where rocky mountain these are all groups that that support our industry and 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 promote advocacy for what we do so it's it's a great way to help keep our industry strong to help keep our voice um i i don't want to be seen and not heard i want to be seen and heard in our industry because if we're seen and and not heard then it makes it real industry for politicians to start saying well you know we don't really need like california did years ago we don't really need to fund the fairs well actually yeah you do and it's a good thing that they eventually did get some funding because you think about our fairgrounds, it's so much more, so much more than just a Ferris wheel lit up 10, 10 nights out of the year. That's our right. fairgrounds are there for um, to bring communities together. They're there for emergency response. When you consider here in, in Albuquerque, the New Mexico State Fairgrounds, or Expo New Mexico is what it's called. They went from being the largest COVID testing site in the state to now being the largest COVID vaccination site in the state because we've got the grounds we've got the space they've got the the infrastructure in place just like in florida where they've got the infrastructure in place to support linemen who come in and the power line guys after a hurricane hits or you know in in california when they're rescuing animals from wildfires and, and their fire camps are set up there our fairgrounds matter That's our, right. our organ our organizations and our industry matters big time we i don't buy it don't give me this we're not essential. Our grounds and our industry is absolutely essential and we need to make sure it stays strong for the future. We are essential 100%. And I make sure I tell that to everybody, including health inspectors, including government people. I make sure I get very vocal about that. And, uh, and I do it without fear because we still live with free speech. And I tell them that we are essential. Uh, you know, how come the liquor stores in Walmart are open? How come right. they don't close? They haven't closed once. You know, are they essential? I guess they're essential, but so that means our industry is essentially right. I mean, that's the way I well, it. and then you get the, you know, you get the politics of it here in New Mexico when things first started. Um, you know, I have a friend, a high school buddy of mine who is a partner in a, in a liquor store that's down the street from our house. He had to close. He had to shut his whole, the business down for during the lockdown, but Walmart and, and Albertsons and the grocery stores could still sell their, their beer, wine and liquor. Um, it, it makes no sense. It's no rhyme or reason for it. Listen, Dale, I really appreciate you being on the show today. We're just about out of time. Um, that was kind of a quick hour. Really was a, was a good yeah. time getting to know you and getting to know about food truck wars. Um, listen, before we go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions and you give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? Go ahead. Yep. Question one, cotton candy or an elephant ear? Elephant ears. Favorite thing about the events industry? Uh, favorite thing about the events? The excitement. What's the furthest from home you've ever traveled? Uh, I've gone from uh, Saskatchewan to Ontario, actually. Okay. That's like five, four provinces over. All right. Favorite movie? Favorite movie. 
the Terminator. Good pick. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Dishes. And on an airplane, do you prefer the window seat or the aisle seat? The window seat. Excellent. Dale, if folks want to know more about Food Truck Wars, where can they get that information? Uh, yeah, they go to our website. It's foodtruckwars.ca. Fantastic. Yeah, and the same is on our Facebook page. Give us a like. It's foodtruckwars.ca on Facebook. So check them out on Facebook, people. They've got some great information up there. They're sharing uh, good stuff from the Gibtown show right now. It seems like it's going to be a terrific event. If we can get this the industry open, I think you're going to have great success with it. I wish you a lot of luck. Dale Absolutely. Belair, producer of foodtruckwars.ca. Good luck with your events this year. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.